Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled that you've chosen to join us for another conversation about student ministry. On today's podcast, I'll be sharing an interview I had with Dr. Jared Bumpers. Jared was a part of the writing team for Fulfill Your Student Ministry and serves as Assistant Professor of Preaching and Ministry at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary of Kansas City, Missouri. In addition to teaching, Jared is the Director of Student Life and Events. Prior to joining the team at Midwestern, Jared served for over a decade as a student pastor and then as an associate pastor of preaching at a church in southwest Missouri. He has also served as an interim pastor and spoken at numerous conferences throughout the United States. Jared holds a Bachelor of Science in Pastoral Ministry from Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, a Master of Divinity from Luther Rice Seminary, a Master of Theology in Biblical Studies from Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Ph.D. in Christian Preaching from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Jared is married to his wife, Kimberly, and they have four children, McCartney, Rush, Maverick, and Jet. Now, before we hop into the interview, let me encourage you to give our podcast a review. This is one of the ways that others find us. You can also share the podcast on social media if it's something that you're enjoying. And we welcome your feedback. We would love to hear from you. You can reach me at info at studentministrymatters.com or by calling my church at 479-442-4634. Well, let's hop right into our interview today and listen together. Well, Jared, thanks for being with us on the podcast today. I'm excited to to share a little bit and to to hear about you as as we join in this conversation about student ministry. I know that you're part of the the author uh, team that put together Fulfill Your Student Ministry, and so it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited. I've been looking forward to having this conversation. So thank you for letting me join you. Well, Jared, um, you know, recently we've had uh, Sam Burig on. The podcast as well, and you're a member of the Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary team. You're up there in Kansas City, and we know that there is a barbecue scene, and so we want to know. He's told us one place. What is your favorite barbecue place there in Kansas City? Kansas City is known for uh, their barbecue. We we take our barbecue seriously here in Kansas City. My my favorite place to to grab barbecue is Q39, uh, especially their their burnt ends. And I would say Casey Joe's is a close second. Okay. Okay. Well, he flipped those two. And so it's good to know. Yeah. And so I'm just looking forward for the time when I can come up and (laughs) hang out and eat some barbecue, uh, especially the burnt ends. Oh, love that stuff, man. That's right. You can, uh, you can arbitrate and decide which one of us was. was (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) Hey, listen, Jared, again, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, can you just start, I, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so would you mind sharing your call to Christ and, and your call to ministry? What did that look like? So I grew up, 
uh, important part of part of who I am, my story. I grew up in a pastor's home, so heard the gospel from a young age. But I don't know if this is common or not with with pastors' kids. Um, I know some tend to be very faithful and love Jesus and are consistent all the way throughout. Others rebel and have no no desire to follow Jesus. And you know whether that's high school, college, or, or later on. Um, but I grew up in a pastor's home and heard the gospel. Was very moral, good at rule following. But I was not converted until college, actually, and so um, was converted um, in in, um, in college. God used, uh, I, I got married at a, at a young age as well, so was married at 20 and met my wife. And our first year of marriage was was a, a rough year for us, mainly due to my sin and selfishness. God used marriage to expose pride and selfishness. Uh, my wife and I both played basketball in college. And so um, basketball really became a kind of a wedge at times in our marriage where I would go play pickup or go practice. She wanted to spend time together. And so I just wasn't considerate, selfish, prideful. And God used that to kind of open my eyes to my sinfulness and need for, for Christ. And so um, up to that point, I would have said that I was a Christian, but didn't truly have an understanding of my sinfulness and need for for Christ. So I consider myself a good person. Obeyed most of the major commands. I wasn't wasn't doing drugs. wasn't wasn't sleeping around, having sex. And so I thought I was a good person. Didn't truly see my need for Christ. And so God used th- those sins on the inside, those more subtle sins of the heart, to to expose my lostness and need for Jesus. And so was converted in college and. Um, so had, had a desire for ministry and uh, went, went to, I, I was at a Christian college at the time, did a degree in pastoral ministry and Bible. So graduated from there and in May of 2007 and started working as a student pastor at a church in October of 2007. And so um, that's kind of my conversion call to ministry. And yeah, I, I can add to that as much as you need me to. Oh man, that's great. That's great. Well, where did you go to college at? So I went to Baptist Bible College, a uh, small Baptist uh, college in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. So, well, h- how are you serving the kingdom now through your local church? So we moved to Kansas City. So I was a student pastor for for nine years on staff at a church, and then I was a teaching pastor for two years on staff at a church. And then I moved to Kansas City, and um, I'm on uh, on staff here, uh, director of student life and events, and then also do some teaching. I'm assistant professor of preaching and Christian ministry uh, here at the seminary, and so uh, my my vocation is no longer the local church, and yet. I love the church. Christ died for the church. And so my wife and I serve every other week. Uh, We work with our children at the church that we uh, attend, that we're members at. We work with two and three-year-olds. So I teach the Bible uh, to two and three-year-olds, which is a challenge different than being a teaching pastor and teaching adults for for sure. But then the, the weeks that I'm not teaching, at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, I'll do pulpit supply. Uh, I did a six week interim, uh, interim pastorate, interim preaching role for a guy that took a sabbatical for the first six weeks of this year. And so um, I've tried to be connected and plugged in and serve the the church um, that my family and I are members at, but at the same time, still try to preach pretty consistently. 
Oh, that's great. I, I love your commitment to the local church. I know that when 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 guys that are in the ministry uh, become involved with the school or a parachurch organization, there can be that tendency to to not be as connected uh, to the local church. But man, that's Christ died for the church, and we know that. And so well, that leads right into uh, you wrote two chapters in um, the book "Fulfill Your Student Ministry," and I and I loved the book. I loved what I saw there, um, the encouragement that I found in it. Um, even how it's laid out. I just, I thought it was a fantastic piece. And so I want to thank you for, for your contribution. Uh, you had two chapters, one on local church and student ministry, and the other one was on mission trips or be involved in evangelism. And so l- let's just take a look at those. And the, in the first chapter that you shared with, you, you talked about the local church. So let me ask this, what has led churches to see students as just future con- contributors? I think a lot of it honestly has to do with their age because they're young. There's this assumption that in in the present, they don't really have much to offer. And so at some point, you know, they'll grow up, they'll mature, but right now, you know, kids will be kids. Um, They're the youth. And so I think a lot of the, the, the idea of students being the future of the church stems from, from just their age. Um, so, and I, I tackle that some in my chapter. I think that's a faulty view. Yeah. If they've been no, converted and baptized, um, they're and accepted into the membership of, of the local church. They should be treated as members. We should uh, hold them accountable. We should inc- give them ministry opportunities within the body to serve and, and to treat them like you would any other believer within, within the church. Yeah. Well, in in my local context, I, I I noticed one of our more senior saints posted on Facebook that, um, you know, this idea that I'm so happy that we have these younger college age students to the church of tomorrow, mm-hmm. and and I hate to hear that for that for this reason because they're the church of today, and they they are investing. Um, one of these these young people are investing. They're teaching our kids on Wednesday nights. They are just super involved. Um, so we've got to work to combat that. And so um, how else do you combat that mentality within the body that they're just future future contributors? So there, there are a lot of ways to do this. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming to be able to provide an exhaustive uh, list of ways to do that, but some, some practical things that I think would help us view them as part of the body right now. One of the, one of the simplest things I think we can do is to, to keep students, keep young people in corporate worship services on the Lord's day. Mm, yeah, uh, I am. Uh, I am. <laughs> I want to word this is, is politely as I can, but I, I am not in favor of holding separate youth services on, on Sundays where the students have, have their own service. They have their own music. They have their own sermon and the adults worship in one place and the students are off somewhere else doing their own thing. And I think that's, I mean, even to your first question, that's another thing that's contributed to this view that the students someday will, will become part of, of the church. But right now they're somewhere else in a different part of the building or a different building altogether doing their own thing. And so I think bringing them bringing them back if you've got them separated, bringing them back into worship, letting the letting them hear the the pastor preach the word on a Sunday, it, I think is huge. I mean, I know that's that's ground ground zero, 
but but to me that's so important it's 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 unbelievable to me that a student could go through go through the nursery go through our children's ministry go through our student ministry and never regularly hear their pastor preach the word until they're mm-hmm. in college yeah yeah hey, you know i think that's that is a that's a big issue um, especially as you get into larger churches, uh, don't see it as much, of course, in, in many of our churches because of the, their size, it's, well, we don't have enough for a youth worship, but I don't think it's about size. I think it's about, uh, the ability to, for one, if you have a teenager and they are sitting there in the pew with their mom and dad, or just their mom or just their dad, uh, and they can look over to the and see them sing and see them pray and see them listen and maybe take notes um, and engage with what's being said. Not only are they hearing the word, they're also seeing seeing these things lived out by their family. And so it's it's a really important thing. So let me ask, and this isn't really on our list, and I'm just kind of curious where you fall on this, is at what point do we transition them to that worship service? Man, I, I, I'm in favor of uh, the the younger, the better. So I, I lean on the early in there. I definitely think fifth grade is too late. Um, right. For me, you know, second to third grade is, uh, for me, not ideal. But I, I, I could deal with that. But I, I think once they hit kindergarten, they're sitting in a class. They're sitting in a class setting learning um, in that environment, I think we can move them into a corporate worship service as early as kindergarten, I would say as late as second or third grade, but uh, anything beyond that for me, you know, again, I don't have a a chapter or verse for that, but, but for me, and and for the reasons you mentioned, having mom and dad there, opening up their Bible, looking and listening to the pastor, preach the word, singing songs, all of those things shape them. And so I would want them doing those things as soon as possible. Um, and even to, to the question earlier, I, I, the only thing I mentioned was not separating them. But some of the other things that I would say as far as connecting them to the body, if you, if you do have them in the service, incorporate them in the service. So maybe say, well, that, it's not an issue for us. We have our students in there with us. Uh, well, if they're in there with you, in, in what ways are they are they serving and what ways are they participating? You know, if, if, if that means having them help take up the offering, run the sound, greet people or pass out a bulletin at the door, whatever that looks like, whatever the other adults are doing in that room, give the students opportunities to serve in those same ways. And so I would say, make sure that you keep them in the worship service, make sure that you give them opportunities to serve in, in all kinds of different ministries. And then I would also say, um, Dis- disciple them and discipline them the same way you would an adult. So they don't get a free oh, yeah. pass. If they're, if they're involved in some type of sin, they don't get a free pass because they're a student. There is no, you know, boys will be boys. And so this happened. No, that sin needs to be addressed. If they have, if they have publicly professed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and there's sin in their life that's evident, that needs to be challenged and addressed. And so I would say we need to treat them 
involve them in corporate worship services, treat them like we would the adults as far as giving them opportunities to serve, holding them accountable, exercising church discipline. And again, there's a lot that could be said under each of those things and nuances necessary when you're dealing with with minors who, who have who are living at home with parents and what does a church discipline look like but uh, as a whole I would say those are healthy practices to make sure that students are not disconnected they're they're attending worship they're serving in worship they're being discipled and, and held accountable all those things are important to to make sure that that students are connected to the body yeah you know one of the the biggest challenges that I've faced um with students is that they will come on a, a Wednesday night for youth group. Uh, we would invest in them, pour into them. They might come on. We had another group that would meet on Sunday nights. And so we would be separated again from our, you know, the adults. Um, but is getting those students that would come into that setting to make that transition over to Sunday worship. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I knew it was important, but I didn't realize how important it was. And so we would occasionally see that transfer over, but it was so rare. It was so hard to make that that shift because students had become focused in on the fun or the excitement or even just the difference in worship style. Yes. Um, and so that's, you know, I've, I've really struggled with that now as I've looked back and gone, oh, you know, my worship should have matched. Yes. Yeah, and that's for that type of thing. I've got a section in my chapter, I think, on that very thing, and I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think, to the best of our ability, what we do in a midweek service, um, so it's not the Sunday morning gathering, but a midweek service. You know, we're, we're seeking to to shape students spiritually. To the best of our ability, we want that to model um, model what what's happening on a Sunday. So we're 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 praying, we're reading scripture, we're worshiping, we're preaching the word, um, not to replace Sunday morning. We want them to come on Sundays and we want them to serve. We want them to worship, but, but to reinforce what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And I think one of the things that's happened, you, you always hear the, the horror statistic of, you know, close to 80% of the students who graduate high school, walk out the doors and never come back. They never come back to the church. And uh, they're no longer part of the church. And every time I hear that statistic, I always, I mean, I don't know if it's a cynic in me, but I always think how many of them were actually a part of the church in the first place? Were they part of the church or were they just part of your, your midweek gathering? And those are, those are two separate things. They are. And so you can have students who come on Wednesday night for the pizza and the dodgeball and and the devotional and and high energy stuff, but they're not going to come on Sunday because what happens on Sunday is, is completely, completely different. And so they, they graduate high school and, and the peaks and the dodgeball is done. And now they're expected to, to, to listen to the word preached and to, to join in, in corporate worship and uh, to, to participate in, in the actual life of the body. And they don't have a, a frame of reference for that. And so yeah. I think it can be problematic. Yeah, they can be absolutely clueless on what to even do. Uh, when it comes to worship. And so, you know, I, I don't know your background. I know uh, with me, I grew up in a, uh, well, my high school years were spent in a small church. It, we had about 75 people. And so, you know, it was, I would go, um, I would be involved. Um, I got chances for ministry because it was a smaller church. Um, what was your setting like? Yeah, so uh, for for a lot of it, it was, 
the, the same thing. My, my dad was a pastor. His first pastorate was in Northeast Mississippi. So very, very rural setting, you know, probably 150 ish people in the church. Um, so uh, in in that setting, same same thing. I had opportunities to to greet people, to pass out bullets, and to take up the right. offering. Um, yeah. And then from from there, uh, he he pastored a church in North Carolina for a couple of years, and then took a church of about 150 in uh, Springfield, Missouri, Southwest Missouri. And a similar thing. I mean, there were six students in the youth group, and I mean, we we sat in church on Sundays, we listened to the word preached, we sang, and yeah, we, we participated and had opportunities, had opportunities then to teach. And uh, I couldn't sing, but had opportunities to sing in, in a student <laughs> choir. And so, yeah. uh, you know, again, uh, at that point, wasn't a believer, but um, I, I knew the Bible was was very religious, but uh, was not regenerate at that point. But uh, right. anyways, I had opportunities but, to do those things. Yeah. And I, I think what you did see was that you saw its importance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was being modeled out in front of you. You were being shown. Um, and by being a part of that that service, you saw a people of all different ages um, embrace that that message and understand it. And yeah. so, yeah, that can be powerful. Well, in, in that chapter, you express a need for students to break out of the a me-centered attitude to a God-centered one. And I really like those concepts that you they shared. So how has the church contributed to a me-centered attitude over the years? I don't want to, I don't want to keep pounding on this, but, but I, I think part of, part of our attractional mindset over the past, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect in this. I think early on in my ministry, I, I, I would say that I struggle with this of what can I do to, to capture students' attention and to get them to come to church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you try to come up with the, the craziest icebreakers that you can, the coolest yeah. activities that you can. What's the, what's the funnest thing that um, I can possibly conceive to get them to come? And so what, ha- what, what you're really doing is you're just ap- appealing to, to their desires and saying, this is about you and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get, to get you. And so you end up changing what you're doing into a very individual and, and man-centered um, ministry. Rather than hey, the, we're 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 here because God has made us in His image and He's created us to bring Him glory. He sent His Son to redeem us and to reconcile us to God, and so we're here to worship. We're here to hear Him speak, and we're here to be conformed to the image of His Son Jesus Christ. And, and so, if we lose sight of those things that God created us, that He created us for His glory, that that Christ has died to to redeem us from the curse of the law, to reconcile us to God, that his ultimate goal, you know, it is to, to conform us to the image of Christ. You know, we know that all things work together for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Those that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. If I can hold some of those truths up for them to say, it's, it's, it's not just about you. God didn't create you and he didn't redeem you for you to live for you. He created you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Mm, and, he, yeah. and he created you to, to love Jesus, to obey his commands, to share the gospel, to produce good works and to make a difference. And so again, those are, those are to me, those are two very different things. 
And, and I think I, I learned that the hard way where early in my ministry, it was, it was about you and what can I do for you? And then later on, mm-hmm. yeah. it was, it was this kind of reorientation to actually, this is, this is not about you. This is about us doing what God has, has created us to do. And that's to orient our lives around him. And so uh, for me, that, that was a huge shift. You know, one of the things that, Unfortunately, I think that many of us maybe spent those early years, for me, early years in ministry, and hopefully others will get it right before, you know, the amount of time it took me to figure it out. It was almost more like I was a Christian social worker uh, dealing with students. You know, I'd look at their, what was going to fix them or what was going to help them and why that was important to them, rather than focusing in on the, the big mission that God had for us. And so it can be tough. It can be hard. Um, well, what are what are some say, ways in a very practical mindset, um, ways, best opportunities to connect students to ministry? You mentioned a couple, get them handing out bulletins, maybe seeing what do you have some other things in mind? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think there's there is in a lot of this to me is w- looking at what your what ministries your church has and then plugging students into them. And so I sure. think for the most part. I wouldn't, I mean, there are very few ministries that I would prohibit students from serving in. And so whether that's welcoming people to the door, passing out bulletins, running the sounds, singing in the choir, um, praying. And if you have a time of prayer and you open that up to congregants to pray, allowing students to pray, allowing students to teach, uh, especially if you have a, a Sunday school hour during, um, during your service times, either before uh, or after, however you structure that. If you have if you have classes that meet on site, especially if you have classes of students that meet on site, allow students maybe not every week, but allow students to teach one another the Bible. You know, give them opportunities to study and to teach, to use their gifts there. Um, take them on take them on mission trips, and we'll talk about that later on. But take them on mission trips. If your church has an outreach program, take them to share the gospel. Um, whether that's door-to-door evangelism, follow-up for unbelievers who have attended. Um, Sometimes when I was a, a student pastor, we used to take our, our students downtown on our upperclassmen, so juniors and seniors. But we would take them uh, downtown and uh, just kind of hang out at the square and start conversations with people and share the gospel. And so, again, I, I think you're, you're, the, the sky is the limit as far as engaging them and giving them opportunities to serve in ministry. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that list, though, because that can maybe spark some of our listeners as they're trying to think, okay, how do I engage my students in ministry? And you gave lots of different ideas, uh, but the main thing is to just look at your church. Um, you know, maybe it's better for uh, to be thinking about why they shouldn't be involved in certain ministries, um, and then the rest are kind of a wide open field. And so I would I would recommend, uh, you know, talking, of course, with your lead pastor, mm-hmm. if you're the student ministry worker, make sure that he's on the same page, but you want to get them involved. Um, I, I know that you already mentioned it, and well, let's go ahead and go right into it, because I'm a big fan of of student mission trips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's you've got a chapter on it. You talk about it. One of the philosophies that I have been carrying with me for the past several years is that I would like for every one of my students to have that opportunity before they graduate to go somewhere either in the the country um, or outside of the country to share the gospel, to, to be on mission. Um, 
for for a time so that they could understand what that's like. And so it's it's not always easy to get parents behind that same sort of philosophy or sometimes even the students, but it can be such a powerful thing. My own two kids uh, have gone to different places. My son went to Romania twice. My daughter's been to Peru as well as deep South Texas, where she worked with some folks there. So they've been on mission trips. Um, I've been on things in the state. You know, it's it's just eye-opening for it our is. students. It is. Uh, so I've, I do have a question. Mission trips have looked different over the years and have often been about helping in physical ways. You know, let's go, let's build this, let's go and paint this or, you know, those type of things. But you make a case for a change that focuses on sharing the gospel. Uh, could you expand on that, that need? Yes, I, I do want to state up front because I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this and I, I, I would affirm everything that I've written and not I wouldn't make any changes to it. But I do want to make a caveat that I'm not minimizing service projects or, or, right. or meeting physical needs. So I just want to be clear that I think those things are important. If you're going to, to help with a construction project or to paint or a school, you know, that, that needs help, you're painting a school, um, whatever that may look like. You're, you're, you're serving people. That's an, that's an important thing. What I'm, what I'm driving at in that chapter is don't call that a mission trip because what you're doing uh, is a service yeah. project. The, the idea that this is an, a mission trip and it doesn't involve sharing the gospel to me misses the heartbeat of what missions is about. And so missions, I think, has to be connected to the gospel and to evangelism. And the purpose of that trip is to share the gospel with people who uh, don't know Jesus or who have never heard the gospel. And so what I'm driving at in that chapter is, is let, let's, let's step back from, from what we're doing. We call all of these things mission trips. And if everything mm-hmm. is a mission trip, then, then nothing is a mission trip. So let's, yeah, let's step back, evaluate what we're doing and the, the service projects. That, that's great. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying we want to train our students to, to share the gospel, to emphasize the gospel, to engage in mission and for them to be clear when, when they're doing those things. So, um, yeah, I, I could say a lot about uh, about this. And this is one of those mm-hmm. things that honestly I, I learned the hard way. I, I went on uh, a mission trip my first my first year as a student pastor, and spent a, a week um, doing doing manual labor, and it, it was great. I, I enjoyed serving, and yet at the end of the week, I was discouraged because man, I, I went excited about telling somebody about Jesus, sharing the gospel. Mm, yeah. This this ministry had branded this as a mission trip. And so I got there and was just just discouraged and disappointed because I wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. And so um, I, I just I just think we need to make sure that we're we're not deceiving our students and saying, "Hey, this is what missions is." Because there, and it, this may seem to some people like a small thing, but if you really slow down and think about it, if I if I take my students on mission trips, quote unquote mission trips for four years. And all we do is service projects. I'm driving home this idea that missions is really just about service projects. And so I'm going to end up graduating Christian students who think that missions is just being nice and doing good things for people. And so without minimizing the importance of, of good deeds and serving our neighbor and loving our neighbor, 
I want to be clear with them that, hey, you should do these things, but, you know, use, use the words of Jesus, do this, but don't leave the other undone. Make sure that you you share the gospel that you're telling people about Jesus Christ because that's that's what missions is really about. Mm, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, missions is about sharing the gospel. I think one of the areas that many of us struggle with, and uh, maybe we don't we're not naturally gifted or supernaturally gifted, rather, in the area of evangelism is that we struggle on how to tell people about Jesus and in, in translating that to our students so they don't necessarily know how to present the gospel. So what are some of the best ways to train our students in that type of arena? Yeah, I really like, uh, for me, that kind of the big story, I can give you three. And so when I work with students, yeah. I try to provide multiple methods of sharing the gospel. So here are three ways to do it. Whichever one of these you, you are most comfortable or most familiar with, adopt this method or um, for some of the more spiritually mature students, you have all three of these at your disposal. And depending oh, on how the yeah. conversation goes, yeah. you can pick and choose for each of them. So for me, one is kind of the big story, the meta narrative of the Bible. It's kind of a biblical theological approach um, where you talk about creation, fall, mm -hmm. redemption, restoration. And so, you know, in the creation aspect, and again, this is similar to another one that that I'll mention, but in the creation aspect, you're talking about the, the character of God, you know, that God created everything, everything he created is good. So you have his sovereignty, his omnipotence, his, his holiness, um, all of those things kind of wrapped up into God made this world, everything that he made is good. A good God creates a good world. Then you have the fall, you know, so sin, you talk about the importance of sin, God made man and uh he made man good and man rebelled disobeyed the one command sin entered into the world and from that point forward every person was was affected and infected by sin and so you kind of un unpack that um and again in the sin element you're really talking about um sinfulness and depravity man is sinful there man is incapable of of saving himself it's not like we can fix this problem by doing good things um, and, and again, depending on how advanced a student is, you can they can bring other verses into this. But just as a general framework, God creates, man sins and rebels and is incapable of, of saving himself. But Christ came to, to redeem. So the redemption element, Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. We're sinners separated from God, deserving of death. But Jesus did what we could never do. He perfectly obeyed the commands of God. He never sinned. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so in the redemption, you you move to substitution. Christ, God in human flesh, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, the life that we could never live. But then he took our sin and died the death that we deserved. And then he, he came back to life. He rose from the dead and he offers eternal life and forgiveness of sins to every person who will repent and believe the gospel. And so there's a response required here. And so Christ dies to redeem us. Man must repent and believe the gospel. And then there's this promise that, that one day Christ will return and he'll restore everything. No more sin, sickness, sorrow, death. And so that you end on the, this note of hope. And so working through yeah. kind of a, a big, big picture framework um, is one. And then the other two, I, I won't, won't go into as much detail, but the Romans road. I think is a helpful, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a helpful tool. I know it's uh, maybe maybe more old school, not not as uh, hip or relevant. But again, I think Romans three twenty three, six twenty three, five eight, 
10, 9, and 10 um, is, is a good, those are definitely good verses to have in your back pocket as you're, you're sharing the gospel and looking for kind of more universal salvation statements. Um, and then uh, one last uh, one that, that, I, that I have always appreciated, uh, J.I. Packer um, in uh, Evangelism of the Sovereignty of God, and then Greg Gilbert in What is the Gospel? Both of them use the same four things, God, man, Jesus, and then response, I think is the four, uh, mm. the four big, big, uh, building blocks that they use, but, but talk about God, the holiness of God, God is creator, then man, man's sinfulness and inability to save himself, the work of Christ, obeying who Christ is or the person of Christ. So you talk about the deity of Christ, the sinlessness of Christ then the work of Christ, substitution, propitiation, redemption, and then a fourth the fourth one is is our response, so repentance and faith. And so those three, I think, are are some form or shape of each of those three is um, is a good starting point when you're when you're talking about sharing the gospel with students. Yeah. Well, you know, if you you go on a mission trip and a mission trip to share the gospel, you got to know the message. Yeah, and so we've right. got to we got to be mindful of that and to be teaching our students to let them know how to do that and to maybe practice with one another. I've gone through evangelism explosion myself and the on the job training where you would go back and forth with a partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's helpful, you know, very helpful stuff to do. Well, uh, Jared, I really appreciate you taking some time out today to share about uh, your involvement with fulfill your student ministry. Um, I, I'm going to encourage our guys and I'd love for to see them pick up this little book and read everything you have to say, as well as uh, the other authors. Um, If someone wanted to contact you about speaking to their group or had questions about something you wrote in the book or want to know more about your, your ministry at Midwestern, uh, what would be the best way to, to contact you? Yeah. The easiest way to get a, get a, get, um, get a hold of me is probably just through email. My email at the seminary is J bumpers, B U M P E R S at M B T S dot E D U. So J bumpers at M B T S dot E D U would, would probably be the easiest way to, to get a hold of me. And again, if they, uh, they, they can, they can look me up on the website. They can just, if they Google, uh, Jared bumpers, it'll, it'll pull up, I'm sure on MBTS's webpage. So awesome. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else that you're involved with any new books in, in mind? Well, I am working on, uh, I'm working on a project right now. Um, I'm only about 30 pages into it, but I'm working on a, okay. on a project on, uh, a theology of preaching, basically the okay. theological framework for, uh, redemptive historical exposition. So, All right. Well, we'll be looking for that in the future. Again, Jared, thank you so much for being with us today. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.